0: Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have the Roman Nightly News, as it was broadcast over the Mutual Broadcasting System on November 19, 1942. Mutual, founded in 1934 but barely remembered today, at one time had more affiliates than any other radio network. The fact that it's been mostly forgotten is probably due to the fact it was the only one of the big four radio networks that not to not expand into television. All of Mutual continued to exist as a radio network through a series of owners until 1999. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com/podcasts, where you can find links to past episodes as well as the books featured in our podcasts. So, thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode
2: for News of the World Today and the column about faces and places in the news brought to you by Roma, America's largest selling wines, the two-to-one favorite in California. Now here is Mel Venter with the cover picture.
3: Almost every week since the war began, there have been thrilling tales of rescue at sea from sunken ships or disabled planes. Many survivors of wrecked planes or torpedoed ships owe their lives to rubber life rafts perfected in recent years by the Navy. This week, an important aspect of the fighting in Africa is the use by American forces of paratroops. In tonight's column about faces and places in the news, there will be more about paratroops as well as a story of survival at sea.
1: Now, here is Parker
2: Gaiman with tonight's front page in the news.
1: In North Africa, on orders of their commanding officer, General Berry, French troops in Tunisia at dawn today opened a general attack on German and Italian occupying forces in support of Allied advance columns sweeping into the Protectorate from the West. General Berry was handed an ultimatum by the German commander ordering the French either to withdraw from Tunisia or join the Axis in the fast-gathering battle against Lieutenant General Anderson's British First Army. Spurning the German threat that he would be attacked if he failed to comply, General Berry ordered his provincial forces to attack first. Allied advance troops were clashing tonight with Axis North African forces along an ever-narrowing strip of the Mediterranean coast in a triple squeeze designed to bring the enemy to bay and smash him. The first German report of contact between ground forces in the battle for Tunisia said advance elements had met along the Tunisian coast, just beyond the Algerian border. No major fighting, however, has developed thus far, the Germans said. In Libya, the British Eighth Army was harrying the rear guards of Marshal Erwin Rommel below Benghazi. Vichy, in a radio address to the French nation and empire, Marshal Pétain called on French officers in North Africa tonight to resist the Anglo-Saxon aggression. Washington, the great American sea victory in the Solomons assumed even more epic proportions today when the Navy announced that a Japanese battleship or heavy cruiser, three large cruisers, and a destroyer were sunk, and three other enemy warships, including a battleship, damaged in a single engagement last Saturday night. In just a moment, Mel Venter's feature column faces and places in the news.
2: But first, a message from the Roma Wine Company. If you are
3: having dessert problems at your house and will take the advice of a mere man, here's what we consider the most classic dessert of all. Serve a good mellow cheese and a good hearty sweet wine. Wine like Roma wine, full of the deep natural goodness of California sun-ripened grapes. Wine that you can trust because it comes from the great Roma wine cellars, long famous for their quality products. And whether you choose Roma Labawame in a table wine, a dessert wine, or an appetizer, you can depend on this. You are getting the most for your money. Roma is the largest selling wine in America today. Popular because it gives Americans what they want. Fine, rich flavor. Guaranteed quality and welcome economy. In other words, it pays to buy wine by name when you make sure the name is Roma. Try Roma Laboim wine for dinner tomorrow. Remember, it's a man's idea of something really good.
1: In this war, there has been considerable use of paratroops by both the Germans and the Russians. Until recently, this type of attack has played little part in United Nations tactics. But this week, reports from North Africa indicate that American paratroops are going into action in a big way. Mel Venter tells us now about the paratroops.
3: Many years ago, military men conceived the idea of carrying armies to scenes of battle and dropping them by parachute, but it was only an idea until Nazi Germany began training such a force seven years ago. Five years later, the United States Army, originator of the idea, began mass training of paratroopers to match the challenge of Axis Skyborne Infantry. Dusty plans pulled out of the War Department archives provided the groundwork for the training of the United States parachute troops. The men selected for this branch of service must be superior mental and physical specimens, not over 30 years of age to serve the ranks, not more than 35 to serve as junior officers, and not more than 40 to command battalions. They must not be less than 5 feet 6 inches, nor more than 6 feet 2 inches in height, not less than 150 pounds, nor more than 185 pounds in weight. Their reflexes must be rapid and their minds quick and keen. The American paratroop candidate spends his first six weeks of training in a rigid course of calisthenics, experimenting with nasty spills until he can take them without hurting himself. He must spend long hours over a table, learning to properly fold and pack a parachute, and for a change, spend more hours dangling like a sack of sawdust from a harness suspended from a gymnasium roof, learning to control his lines. After the initial six weeks, in which he grasps the fundamentals, He trains for another 16 weeks in the use of hand grenades, machine guns, pistol fighting, effective demolition, sabotage and destruction, and how to cut telephone lines and break up railroads. His first jump test is only 15 feet from a platform, and he goes through all the motions he would if launched from a plane. He must count three after leaving the platform and switch his ripcord from one hand to the other. His parachute doesn't open, but he is pulled up by a shock-absorbing device and his trainer has a chance to see if he can think in a jump. Next comes a real parachute tr- jump from a 150-foot platform. Then come plane jumps under simulated bat- battle conditions. This time, there is no ripcord to pull. Instead, a line from his chute is fastened to the plane. As his body drops clear of the plane, he feels the line pull taut and jerk the cover from his parachute, and the slipstream from the plane helps blow the billowing silk quickly into a great smooth umbrella. This is the real thing, even to the special helmet and uniform he wears, green, so that he may easily hide in the forest below. He lands in an easy tumble and is on his feet in a flash, removing his harness and gathering up the chute for repacking, and in a few minutes disappears into the woods. He watches the sky for others of his troop and for the machine guns and heavy weapons that will be dropped from the plane with chute. When all the equipment has been landed and distributed among the force, they set off on maneuvers, hiding in the woods, sloshing through swamps, and subsisting during the maneuvers on what is called Ration's D, a combination of chocolate, sugar, milk powder, cocoa butter, oat flour, and vanilla. These are United States paratroopers picked from the hardiest of a hardy nation, stout of heart and quick of mind. Yes, these are the American paratroopers the army trained and launched within two years to challenge Nazi skyborne forces trained in seven. And in Tunisia today, where U.S. paratroopers made their first mass assault, the enemy is buckling under the impact. Already from this war have come scores of true stories telling of the courage of men against the sea. Survivors of planes and ships have battled the sea until finally rescued. Many owe their lives to rubber rafts and the emergency supplies with which they are stocked. Concentrated foods, water, medical supplies, and signaling devices. Such men as Eddie Rickenbacker and his crew are alive today because of them. But it wasn't always thus. Commander Rogers and his crew of four in August 1925 made the first naval attempt to fly over the Pacific in the Navy seaplane PN-4 No. 1. The flight started at Mare Island, and thousands watched the takeoff. For the first few hours, all went well. As the plane passed the 1,000-mile mark, every detail was working out to perfection. But suddenly came a terrific headwind that seriously hampered progress. The men flew higher in a vain attempt to avoid the whipping wind, but found it only worse. They veered south and then north, but there seemed to be no way of escape as the gasoline gauge slowly dropped toward the zero mark. 200 miles away from the island of Molokai, the tank went dry, and the plane came down to a dismal landing in the middle of a desert of water. Commander Rogers with his crew drifted day after day amid the desolation of the Pacific, every one of them doing a job, standing watch, bailing water, rigging sail, working on the radio, and doing what they could to bolster and cheer each other up. After six days afloat, the men became haggard, worn, and parched with thirst watching ships steam past them that didn't see them and hearing wireless messages telling that they must be lost. But still they waited patiently in hope for the best. On the morning of the seventh day, Commander Rogers tried weakly to distract their wearied thoughts by striking up a casual conversation. Funny thing he said, I'd uh, almost forgotten to tell you about a package my mother gave me just before we left Mare Island. The men were attentive as they always were when Commander Rogers spoke. Mothers are like that, aren't they, he continued, Always telling his son to be careful, telling him to watch out for himself, giving him a present or a package or something, like this one, for example, having any idea what's in it. Well, why not open it up, Commander, asked one of the men. Roger's thought for a moment. Oh, come to think of it, he answered, I might as well. My mother asked, and I not bother to look at it unless uh, we got into trouble, and for some reason or other, I think we are entitled to have a look now. As every one of the crew watched with intense interest, Commander Rogers untied the package, took off the wrapping, and then with a shout of uncontrollable joy held up the contents. Every man let out a cheer as each made ready to put it to work, for it was without question the most welcome gift on the face of the earth that could have come into their hands at that moment. It was a little midget boiler with condenser coils, a still for converting salt water to fresh. Quickly cracking one of the wing supports for some wood, improvising a stove and lighting a fire, they bailed salt water from the Pacific Ocean and poured it into the boiler. Within a half an hour, every one of the crew was quenching his parched throat with the fresh water that they had made from the sea. With renewed vigor, they kept up a vigilant watch, and with renewed hope, they managed to drift their disabled craft toward the direction of passing ships. Then on the ninth day, after floating for 400 miles, a submarine finally found them. It was a harrowing and hazardous experience, but they lived to tell of their adventures, to be honored for their flight, and to reverently salute Mrs. Rogers, the thoughtful mother who remembered what scientists and engineers had forgotten, who gave her son a surprise package that saved the lives of five Navy men. But mothers are like that. We will have more news for you in just a moment.
2: We Americans are realizing more every year how much better meals taste when they're served with wine. And year after year, we buy more Roma wine than any other brand. That proves, doesn't it, that the Roma Wine Company knows American tastes? Well, now more than ever, we have reason to prefer Roma. For Roma has created a wine especially to suit our own distinctive taste. Exactly right to blend with our own typically American foods. Just taste Aroma de California wine. You'll see what we mean. Choose Aroma de California medium sweet or medium dry, red or white, according to your own personal preference. And remember this. Aroma de California, like all Roma wines, is top value for your money. That's because it's made by America's biggest producer of wines, the Roma Wine Company. Now, here is the news.
1: Moscow. A counterattacking Red Army killed 5,000 Germans in a battle lasting several days outside the northern entrance to the Georgian military highway leading through the Caucasian Mountains. The regular Midnight War Bulletin also told of stalwart Russian fighting at all other key sectors of the Long Front. Six German attacks were repulsed in Stalingrad. London. London. Sweeping across the Alps by bright moonlight, big British bombers smashed at Italy last night for the fifth time this month, bombing from virtually unbroken formations the war production center of Turin. London also announces that the first tank clash in Tunisia between Allied and Axis forces was reported tonight by the Morocco radio, which said 30 German tanks were destroyed. Washington. Assistant Secretary John L. Sullivan said today the Treasury Department plans to collect every possible dime due it under the new wartime tax law but it doesn't intend to turn into a Shylock in the process. People who fail to plan in advance for their taxes will have to pay eventually, probably on a periodic payment basis. Chairman Donald M. Nelson of the War Production Board announced today he had been given his vice chairman, Charles E. Wilson, responsibility for doubling aircraft output within a year to meet new 1943 goals set by President Roosevelt. Salem, Oregon, a poisoner who placed roach powder in a quantity of scrambled eggs was believed tonight to be responsible for the death of 48 inmates of the Oregon State Insane Hospital at Salem.
2: Now we'll say good evening for your host, the Roma Wine Company, your reporter, Parker Gaiman, and your columnist, Mel Venter. We'll return tomorrow and every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.15, with news and a column about faces and places in the news.
3: And remember, to appreciate America's finest wine, don't drink it sip it. But before you buy wine, buy war bonds.
2: This is Don Lee Mutual.